Open your Bibles with me to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. I had occasion to refer to it this morning in reference to the odious woman in Proverbs chapter 30. Other references have been made to it already. It's a book full of wisdom, especially for young men. And it's good for older men. It's a book that we all ought to know well. Proverbs chapter 3. I want, to sh- I want you to look at that little paragraph I read you. I'm not going to take the time to read it to you again. It's Proverbs 13 through 18. It describes wisdom with length of days in her right hand, riches and honor in her left hand. She will love and embrace and take care of you and exalt you. There's nothing in this world to be compared to the gaining of wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord and the keeping of God's commandments. To learn the Bible and to put it into practice is the greatest thing a young man can ever do for himself and a young woman. Proverbs chapter 3, that 15th verse says, She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. And the reason a personal pronoun, a female, feminine, personal pronoun her and she is being used is because it's a personification of wisdom as lady wisdom. We refer to liberty as Lady Liberty and the Statue of Liberty in in our harbor of New York is a lady. We refer to Mother Nature. Some people refer to Mother Nature because that's just a personification of the forces of nature which we understand to be God at hand in our elements. Here it's wisdom. And Solomon did this often and that's why you'll see the feminine pronouns. Parents, We have children that we want to teach certain things that wisdom says they ought to have. Let's look at just a few in a few minutes. Proverbs chapter 6. I want to mention just a few and mention them briefly. With diligence. Diligence is working hard. And we ought to teach our children to work hard. When there is something to be done, they ought to throw their might at it. When... When Red hires people for his business, when anyone hires men or women for their business, they want to find those that are diligent. Diligent is the force that you apply to get a job done. It's how quick you are. It's how long you can stay at the job. In our family's terminology, we are able to quickly say whether a person has a four-cylinder engine, a six-cylinder engine, or an eight-cylinder engine. And once in a while, we get one of those... Ten or twelves. And that's what we look for. And you can tell. The person that gets tired. I'm so tired. Can I have a drink? Can we have a break? I'm just so tired. They might have a two-cylinder engine. Maybe they've only got a bicycle pedals under the hood. You know, they, they don't have a motor. Listen. The Lord wants you, whatever you find to do with your hand, do it with your might. Every man in here should want to find a woman that is diligent. She has, a, she has at least a V8. Because if he gets less than a V8, he's going to get cheated in life. If you go read Proverbs 31, what is the number one character trait of a woman in Proverbs 31? Diligence. By far, it's diligence. How hard does she work? And so you want a V8 woman. And we don't mean she drinks that poison that comes in a can that they say is good for you. Some of you know what I'm referring to. Some of you are so far from that stuff that you don't even know what I'm talking about. 
We want a V8 woman, a woman that works hard. Look at Proverbs 6. This is the wise man. This is King Solomon teaching his son, and we get to sit in on the lesson. That is just wonderful. What would you have to pay to sit with the wisest man on earth and hear him give wisdom and advice on how to be successful? Proverbs 6 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. When you're traveling, no matter how much you may think you're never going to get to the destination, you're going to get to your destination. And if you're lazy, you're going to get to your destination. And you know what your destination is? Poverty. It comes as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. You can't stop an armed man, and you're not going to be able to stop poverty if you don't work hard. When you're over there at Chick-fil-A, you better be working hard. You better be out working anyone else in there. It is the most wonderful thing to work hard. The cream rises to the top. Now, that's a farmer's expression. See, you children have never seen cream, except it comes in some little carton at the grocery store. But, you know, milk has cream in it. And it's not homogenized and pasteurized and, other, and blasted in other ways. So that an old bottle of milk, the cream would rise to the top. And the way that the cream rises to the top in a business, one of the ways is they work harder than anyone else. And when you work hard, there's a reward even in the doing of it. Because the, the reward of a job well done and done faster than anyone else is just a wonderful feeling. You drag through a job, you suffer, you're not, you're not going to get promoted, you're probably going to get fired as surely as an armed man. If, you, if you're lazy and you're not going to enjoy the job, when you have something to do, there's two ways to do it. To look at it and to apply yourself with all your might to get it done and to tear into it and finish it. Or you can just be complaining to yourself, look at how many dishes there are to do. I don't think I can get... I'm so tired. I'm so, what, who are you talking to? Are you talking to yourself to convince yourself that you're tired? Just finish the job. Grab it. Finish it. Diligence. Let's teach our children to be diligent. Whatever they do, do it diligently. Look at Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Thank you, Lord, for giving us King Solomon as our teacher. Inspired King Solomon. Chapter 22, verse 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Mean men means average men. For those of you taking math right now, what does the word mean mean? The average. The average. You'll not stand before average men. The cream rises to the top. Solomon knew that. You'll stand before kings if you're diligent in whatever is given to you to do. A king wants men around him that get the job done. The Bible speaks about a faithful messenger is a great joy to him that sends him. 
They want someone that will get the job done. It's hard to employ people today because it's hard to find good workers. But when a man finds a good worker, he's going to want to keep you, and he knows that there's one way to keep you, and it's to pay you. So you outwork anyone else, and it's not, it's not for vainglory. It's because God tells you to be diligent. Chapter 14. Chapter 14. What a book, this book of Proverbs. Every day, a lesson comes into your house from the book of Proverbs. That is wisdom. Proverbs 14.23 In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. There's people that talk about making money. They talk about business ideas. They talk about what they'd like to do. But instead of doing any one of those three things, why not just go do it? In all labor there is profit. And we could go from there. The Bible says that the hand of the diligent shall be made fat. The Lord will make him fat. The diligent is going to rule over the sluggard. Back there in chapter 6 where we started, and Solomon said, how long are you going to sleep, O sluggard? If you go back to the first verse of that chapter, he's talking to his son. You know, young men love to sleep. So do young ladies. Love to sleep. That bed is so warm and cozy. And to just roll over and try another position and fold those little hands up is such a good and pleasant feeling. But the Bible talks about that. Solomon knew all about that. He said a sluggard is like a door on its hinges. And Everyone in here knows what that means. We turn one way, and then we turn another way. Then we turn another. We turn back again, just like a door swinging on its hinges. The Lord knows the downfall of men that love to sleep or women that love to sleep. When, when it's morning time, get up and get it today. And attack it and be diligent. The, re- the reward is there. Solomon's promised it. The Lord's inspired it and preserved the words. It will come to pass. Be diligent. First Thessalonians chapter 5. A second thing we want to teach our children. I could raise a number of illustrations. But the young man that we prayed for recently that has a large amount of credits in his hopper is because he's been diligent. You have to go scour the bushes and beat the bushes and rattle the cages to get people to want to come to your bank and borrow money. Sometimes they come on their own. Sometimes you have to go help them along. There's another young man in the assembly who's working for one of our distribution centers that sends packages around. And after one week on the job, was given a raise for outworking anyone else there. There's someone else in our assembly who is fourth in the state out of many hundreds of his position for the number of referrals given to a financial company in our city. And I could go on and on. We have a big young'un was taken care of and protected and got a job that was less probable than him becoming our next president because he was diligent on the job. And I love diligence, and I want us to love diligence, and we need to teach our children to love diligence. You little girls that aren't married yet, if you think you've ever been tired, you don't even know how to spell it compared to what's coming. And you married women, I know, I will defend you against these little girls that whine 
because they had to go to work for a three-hour shift or a four-hour shift, or they, they had to take a couple of classes, or they had to make their bed, or they had to cut the grass, and they're tired. I know. Girl, I'm telling you, learn to love work now, or marriage is going to be terrible. You say, I'm going to marry rich. There's some wisdom to that. <laughs> there is. Does the Bible say so? The Bible says money answereth all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's teach our children the will of God. To be thanked. To be thankful and to give thanks. It's more than being thankful. It requires giving thanks. You actually have to get the words out. You have to say it. You have to give thanks from you to someone else. You have to give it to God. This is God's will concerning our children. Let's teach them to be thankful. We live in a generation of Christians that are unthankful. It's one of the character traits of the perilous times of the last days. Every one of our children, you eat better, you sleep better, you live better, you have more opportunities, you have more protection than any other generation that has ever had the combination that you enjoy. Many, many societies, all the young girls like that row right there would have been taken captive and you would have already been raped by enemies of our nation. And you'd be living in some other nation raising some pagan's children. You have no idea about the history of the world unless you settle down and read the Bible and read a little bit about what's happened in this world's history. You are blessed abundantly. Because you didn't have some little thing work out for you where you got the car of your dreams. You didn't get the car of your dreams. You had to settle for the car of someone else's dream. You complain. We should be thankful for everything. We are the most blessed society. And our children must be taught that because God loves thanksgiving. And it's not just enough to be thankful. Give thanks. Thank your parents. Thank the Lord. Thank others. Be a, be a giver of thanks to everyone you meet. We love to be around a giver of thanks. That, that lifts anyone's spirits. Except a real chronic complainer. And there are some of those. There is so much to be thankful for. Amen. One more verse on that. Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. When I come to Thanksgiving, I, I have to come to this verse. Because of the Lord's severe warning about not giving thanks. We want to be a people that are always giving thanks. And we want to teach that to our children. Young people, be thankful. You have so much going for you. I think after what I said about diligence, you're probably thankful you're not married. There's, you can be thankful for that. You say, it's just, it's just as hard as the pastor described, I'm thankful I'm not. I'll pray for the Lord to get me ready. Oh, you can get ready. Just go home and ask your parents for some more to do. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. Look at the, these verses. This is, a, this is a sober warning to Israel from Moses and the Lord. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness 
and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. That is severe judgment for not being thankful. Notice it says the Lord is going to send hunger. Because what was Israel so good at complaining about? Their food. Oh, we wish we could go back to Egypt so that we could have the leeks and the onions of Egypt. Now, is that have you ever heard anything like that? Have you ever complained about your food? Is that what we're having for supper tonight? You have something for supper. Thank the God of heaven for it. There's many that don't have anything for supper tonight. It said food. Because Israel liked to complain about their food. And in drink. And in thirst. Be thankful. You hit a little silver lever. And you can have all you want. That is not true in the rest of the world. That has not been true in other generations. That is a gift from God to have that liquid nectar come out of that faucet. Bless the God of heaven for it. When was the last time you could, you just hit the lever and were washing your hands? You could drink it. You knew it was clean. You knew you could drink and wash in the same stuff. When was the last time you thanked the God of heaven that you have so much in the house? How many of those little silver things do you have in your house? You know, grandpa and grandma had one source. It was a well if it was just a grandpa and grandma, and they had one. If it was a great grandpa and grandma, they may not have even had a well. They would have had to go draw it from some, I mean, a, a handmade well. They would have to go draw it from a river. We are blessed abundantly. If we were to count up all the faucets, and remember there's a faucet inside your toilet. For those of you that don't know, there's a faucet of water inside your toilet. That's what, where the water comes from. You have so much to be thankful for. We, everywhere we turn, we can be thankful. Thirst, hunger, nakedness. You complain that you don't have the clothes of someone else? You're not naked. You're clothed. And I'll bet if I was to look in your closet, it's got more than can neatly hang on the hangers, doesn't it? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Look at the verse. Look at the warning. Be not deceived. This means if you don't have wisdom, you'll be deceived. But if you're following God's wisdom, you won't be deceived. Be not deceived. Anybody know this verse? 1 Corinthians 15.33. Be not deceived. Evil. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's a warning about friends. The third point I want to make today is that when your parents help you select your friends and they protect you from certain kind of friends, they choose what school you're going to go to, they cut off certain friendships, they stop certain people from calling into your house, the reason they do that is because they love you because this warning from God, evil communications corrupt good manners. Bad friends will destroy you. And so they're protecting you from bad friends that will take you down to be like the rest of the world. Turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. 
And verse 7, Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Here's a warning from King Solomon to his son. Look at chapter 29, Proverbs 29. Verse 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. We just sang, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. If you put your trust in the Lord and make Him your rock, you will retain wisdom. If you value and worry about the opinion of your friends, of what you think, say, or do, or the music you listen to, or the way you drive, or what you wear, if you worry about what other people think, then you, are, you have set a snare for yourself. You cannot be wise. Because it says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. You're going to get trapped. If you fear what other people think about you, then you have set a trap for yourself, and you're going to catch yourself, and you'll never be great. Because greatness is very different from the rest of the world. Greatness means you have to be different from the average man or the average girl or the average woman. And to be different, you can't fear what they think. You've got to put your trust in the Lord, as this verse says right here. And as parents, we need to teach children that and we need to keep their friends cut off that would be a corrupting influence on their manners. Parents, every day a lesson comes into your house. Here's a book, the book of Proverbs, that is chock full of wisdom from God and wisdom from King Solomon for our children. These are such simple points. But this next week, every job that you have to do, do it with your might. Be diligent about it. Practice diligence. Be thankful. Everything we have, we can be thankful for. It is a choice not to be thankful. It's not because you don't have enough to be thankful for. It's because you've chosen not to be thankful. And if you'll choose to be thankful, it's a whole different outlook on life. Instead of looking at what you wish you had, when you are only thinking about what you wish you had, that's covetousness and discontentment, and you're unhappy. You make us unhappy, and God is angry. You've lost on three counts. God's angry with you because He's given you every good thing you have, and you're complaining about it that it's not good enough for you. God's angry. We can't stand your complaining and whining. And you're unhappy. Isn't that incredible? And people choose that course of life. They love pain. They love misery. When instead, you could choose to be thankful and happy. Then God's pleased with me and He'll bless me with more. You know, there is a way to get more. And that's to thank God for what you have. Because even if He doesn't give it, you're still going to be thankful. But He's... He seems to like giving it to people who are thankful for what they have instead of those that complain. And when you're complaining and you're being discontent and you're measuring yourself by someone else, you're the one that's unhappy. You're messed up. We're messed up. God's angry. Why in the world would you live that way? Let's be thankful this next week and let's guard all of our friendships. Parents, every one of your, every friend that your children have, and if you don't know who their friends are, you're a slothful parent. Find out their friends and who is influencing them. It could be cousins. It could be anyone in your family. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be at school because evil communications corrupt good manners. This is the word of the Lord. This is wisdom for us. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.